Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Topic of Page podcast. My name is John Mayo. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. In this roundtable discussion, I am joined by my sister, Kay. We're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on the fourth season of Arrow. We have just finished watching that. Uh, the arc for this season was pretty much the Damien Dark arc. You're not going to give our blanket, we spoil all of DC TV I warning. probably should. We're going to spoil all of DC TV. So Arrow, of course, since we're talking about Arrow. Uh, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, probably various and sundry comic stuff. Um... Definitely, I think we're going to wind up comparing the finale to the other two shows, uh, Flash and Legends of Tomorrow, and Supergirl for that matter. But the the arc for this season was Damien Dark, who was a magic user and stuff. They introduced over the course of the season uh, Anarchy, the villain, um, Vixen, mm-hmm. the, uh, the superhero. Um, Constantine stopped by for a visit. Yes, I thought that was a great episode. They started the season by killing off um the black canary um sarah lance yes. bringing her back killing off thea bringing her back uh killing off the uh laura lance black canary by the end not bringing her back yeah that lazarus pit, pit got a bit of a workout before they uh shut it down for business and we got a lot of league of assassin stuff this time definitely um with uh uh, Ali going up against uh, both Razagul's at one point, you know, at different points. Yeah. So they had started this season in a very different place than others um, because the end of the third season had kind of tied things off fairly nicely. Ali and Felicity had gone off into the sunset, essentially. I was going to say, you have to say they went off into the sunset. Apparently, I did have to. Well, they they drove down the coast. They had their happily ever after lined up. You know, we pick them up in a nice small community town or whatever, uh, which ironically happened to have a clone of it built under Star City, but we'll get to that later. And, you know, Ollie was in a much happier place. It was a much lighter season. Yes. And there were a few things that were darker about it. Uh, Diggle's brother, uh, how that whole storyline goes, but it. It reset certain things at the beginning of the season to a different tone, and certainly the way it ended the season sets up the next in a very different kind of a way. But it just shows how much this world, these characters have grown. Definitely. Uh, Certainly over the three seasons prior, but also over this one. Well, and we've always known that Diggle had the brother, about the brother's family, Mm -hmm. etc. So bringing that brother in and the way they did was very interesting. But it also, we now have multiple sibling sets for sort of the different types of relationships that are going on and the ways they interact and stuff. Ollie and Thea, uh, John and Andy, the Mm -hmm. Diggles, uh, Sarah and Laurel. Yeah. Any others I'm forgetting? Uh, well, those were the ones that were mostly coming okay. to mind. And I was thinking, you know, Ollie and Thea had that that time separation and then coming back together that was very easy to compare in some respects to uh, John and Andy Diggle. Well, and the the Lances. Yeah. Um, both of them having come back from the dead. Yeah. 
Well, but there's a... Well, one of them haven't come back from the other. The other one didn't, of course. Yeah. yeah. But with uh, Andy, there was less of a blatant, are you lying to me about every aspect of current life? And more of a, are you lying to me about what was happening back then? What happened in between? You know what I mean? When did Andy go bad is what it came yeah. down to. And there was a lot of, can we trust him? Can we not? Yeah. And they... They did some really good stuff there because I didn't feel some of this was telegraphed, yet it felt natural when things were happening. Yeah. They've got a very good uh, writer's room on this show. And I stand by the proof in the pudding of the good writer's room is the flashback scenes. I believe this is another season where you could pull the island scenes out and put them together and basically have a very coherent movie. I, I would agree with that. This was also another season, unlike the first, but I think we saw some of this in second and third, where there were one or two of those where the flashback scenes were not Oliver's. Yes. Yeah, we got that with uh, the Diggle brothers in the war. Uh, I'm trying to think which other episodes we got some of that. It was the main one. And there were one or two where I don't think we had any flashbacks. Yeah. But I do think if you took all of Oliver's, yeah, you absolutely would get another hour and a half-ish kind of a movie out of it. Yeah, well, and what really intrigued me in uh, the episode where they were getting help from the friend, I think it was a friend of Constantine's that they met in the uh, at the card game, who right. was a magic user, and she was showing him, you know, you need to use basically good magic, light magic against the dark magic, and we got this flash of scenes in there, this flash of images, one of them clearly looked like the island but i could tell even then okay that's future footage mm. it's you think they had filmed all the island stuff maybe up ahead i'm not sure if they'd filmed it ahead or if they already knew that was coming but we saw tiana with the gold in the eyes interesting i didn't catch that i caught it at the time and i could tell she was be had the contact with the idol and the control of the idol or being controlled by the idol Depends on your interpretation there. Given the strength of the arc they have over the season, it would not surprise me if they basically set aside a certain time to go do the island scenes. Well, Stephen Amell joked at one point, and I forget if it was on Facebook or in a panel, but he said basically it's Island Monday. Ah, so they do it the, okay. And, you know, that was over like two years ago or something, but it sounded like it was kind of a, okay, every Monday we do island scenes. Right, right. This is the subplot, of, if you will. So let's take care of all those. Get those actors all there for the day or two. Yeah. Interesting. I'm curious also what percentage of each episode is kind of the flashback. Because those tie in really well with what's going on present day, but also, like you said, have a really good arc to them. Yeah. The fact that they can keep them relevant to each individual episode, and yet they pull out as a separate good story mm -hmm. is really impressive writing to me. Well, and if you've planned out the season and you know here are the emotional beats and what's going to happen high level in each episode, getting the same kind of relevant story beat out of the island scene seems very doable. Mm -hmm. um, but it would make sense to be filming them as part of the episode because, again, when Constantine guest starred, he was in both both parts. Yeah. So I'm curious where they go uh, with the island stuff next season. It felt like uh, he was going to keep his promise that he made fairly early 
like mid-season, I think, to Tiana of if she died on the island also, in addition to her brother, he would go back to her home village in Russia and tell her parents what happened. Right. And given we know that he's uh, trained up with the Bratva. Whatever the Russian mob thing is. um, It feels like he spends at least some time in Russia before he goes home. The question then would be what gets him out of Russia back onto the island? Yeah. Probably he has a falling out with whatever he's training with over there. I'm wondering if it's that or if he sees something in the news that makes him think something is happening back home that kind of summons him, if you will. If he sees um, It's time to go home and basically he has Amanda Waller drop him at the island and sort of arrange for the fishing boat. Yeah. Possible. Yeah. If he sees, you know, the Queen Industries or whatever in the news with some corporate takeover being threatened or something. Walter at that point would have taken power. Yeah. Um, but that should have already been happening concurrently with what we've seen. And of course that actor had been busy this season over on Limitless. Yes. Um, which won't be a problem next season. Yeah. Apparently that's not getting continued. Anywhere. Anywhere. Well, no, Who no, knows? they said anywhere. They've said that, but, you well, know. true. Okay. You but we know. digress. The plan that Hive had, blowing up the world, and it's unclear if it was Hive or if it was just Damien Dark. Agreed. But it all, a lot of it hinged on having this safe place for their followers. Okay, makes sense. How and when they built this huge thing. Under where the undertaking had taken place. Unless they built it up after in the repair section, which seems kind of crazy. And fast. And fast. And really high tech. Because the, yes. the hologram yeah. window, I mean, that alone has got to be worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. I don't think Damien cares about money. Apparently not. Mm-mm. But somebody could have cashed in on that. I would have liked a scene somewhere in the season. Maybe it was there and I missed it. Why did Ruve love him? They never really built up how those two got together. And actually, th- that would have been a really good s- flashback sequence. I mean, it, it seemed to be a genuine relationship. It seemed to be a genuine family. And I there wanted to- There were times it was that. There was times it was kind of a political partnership. Oh, that too. That too. And if they had had an episode that goes back to when they first met and kind of negotiated and how that played out. Yeah. That would have been a great- great episode yeah um for the the flashback stuff yeah definitely. That, that was a missed opportunity yeah i'd also like to know at the end of the season what became of the daughter yes i would like to have seen uh, quentin lance and uh felicity's mom have her in the back seat of the car they're going off somewhere out of town they could have been taking her somewhere whether they were keeping her with them or dropping her off with relatives something but they could have simply been guiding her out of town they could have closed off that plot line better yeah that's something i think is i noticed also similar sort of thing on flash um dr mcgee was at the dinner yeah and then not even at the funeral yeah she she just vanishes yeah so i think they've got opportunities to track some of their characters a little better and gracefully get them off stage yeah and speaking of getting characters off stage one of the things with the end of this season is uh, Quentin and Donna, uh, Felicity's mom, they go off. Mm-hmm. I blame internal affairs. Eh, blame whoever you want, but they're gone. Mm-hmm. 
presumably. I mean, not to say they can't come back. Well, and yeah, I mean, whether they, they're gone on a long vacation or they decide to move is unclear. It's an easy way to not have to bring them back next season. Agreed. Likewise, Diggle seems to re-up in the military. Yeah, the military uniform was unpacking a bag and wifey not looking happy. So I'm taking it as the Diggle family is kind of potentially not having to come back. Thea's decided she wants out of the life. Mm. Still seems to be there at... at Laurel's uh, apartment. At Laurel's apartment, so still in town. Mm-hmm. You know, but Thea was really well used, and I kind of liked Thea best when uh, she was running the nightclub. I don't know. There was aspects of her running Ali's uh, mayoral campaign that was kind of fun. Agreed. And that was kind of the same use as when she was yeah. at the nightclub. She was coming into her own as a young adult. Mm -hmm. She was embracing responsibility. She was embracing adulthood. She was finding herself in a non-vigilante way. Well, in this season, she had to refine herself with the whole death and coming back aspect. And the whole bloodlust and Lazarus Pit side yeah. effects and she she, she went had a busy a season mm. well and you know dealing with daddy issues that's not gonna end no well not not well so Thea's potentially out of the picture um but easy to bring back in if they want to um laurel of course gets killed off now going back to Thea, though where did we officially leave her dad malcolm i don't know that we did that's what I thought. I don't think Barrowman's out. I think he's he's got to come back. He's he's too good of a character not to use, and he can play both sides of the fence. You know, he's an interesting character in that respect, in terms of he's always looking out for number one. That's his chief priority. But if Damian Dark is going to be the captain of the winning team, he's okay being on Team Dark. Enlightened self-interest is what motivates Merlin. Yeah. And if you uh, threaten him or his, well, that's a problem. And that is very interesting, is that during the series, he has seemed to grow in that respect. His. It was never really painfully obvious that he cared about Tommy, that he would fight for Tommy. But he's really, they've given him the chance to show that with Thea. But I think Tommy was a disappointment in some way for, for Merlin. True. The two just never got along, and again, that goes back to first season stuff. True, true. You know, with, with Malcolm getting trained by the league and just not being around during the formative years for Tommy, and they just didn't have that kind of connection. Yeah, but when Malcolm goes to the trouble to have Thea kidnapped and put safely in that Genesis underground dome... Yes. That may be the most loving paternal thing Malcolm's ever done. Warped mm, though it sounds. No, he's done a few other things for Thea, training her and, you know, uh, protecting her and some stuff like that. You know, the getting her killed, the resurrecting her, those sorts of things. <laughs> he's a complicated uh, person and certainly not father of the year. <laughs> um, the other father uh, aspect we haven't really talked about is the reveal of Ali's son. Very true. That was a good uh, good kind of mini arc. Mm -hmm. A lot of that happened during the uh, Flash Arrow crossover, where they introduced Vandal Savage and had a bunch of, of superheroes and stuff all together. And we had an interesting travel back a day in time. Yes. That was one of the 
fun aspects of Flash, you know, realizing he had done that. And then Ali kind of, uh, almost unbeknownst to himself, reordering some events based on that. Yeah. You know, hey, it didn't work out before. Well, let's change it up. Yeah. You know, I again, I love how Ali and, and Wally kind of work together. Mm. Uh, the other character we got a lot of uh, establishing and growth on was um, uh, Curtis Holt, who's uh, in the comic. Uh, he's the Mister Mister uh, Terrific character. They've done a great job with that character here. Great actor. They've teased his T spheres uh, in some of the lab scenes. He's part of Team Arrow now, mm. so I'm expecting he'll be back next season, and we'll actually get him out in the field at some point uh, as Mister Terrific. But so that's 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 one addition that'll stay till next season. But again, Thea gone, Laurel getting killed off, uh, Quentin leaving, uh, Diggle leaving, Thea leaving. Mm-hmm. Pretty much the entire team arrow, other than Felicity, yeah, gone. So it gives them a little bit of a clean slate kind of option for next season. Well, and that's the thing. Arrow tends to end each season with this wide open door. The setting him up as mayor points in a direction, but it doesn't force anything. Mm-hmm. And there's there's from, nothing that they have to do in the first episode next season. From the point which uh, Rouvet died, I kept thinking, well, wasn't he effectively the runner-up when they said he had gotten 48% of the vote because of write-ins? Yeah, absolutely. Even though he dropped out of the race, he still was... Close second. Yeah, so it made sense. And they had set that up episodes ago. Yeah. Which I thought, you know, another kudos to the writers for planting things and making us aware of them without telegraphing he's still going to be mayor. The one thing I would have liked to have seen them do, and I get how filming it could have been a little challenging, but I would have liked to have seen uh, Damien's lair with the, the honeycomb monitor and all that kind of stuff. That they establish as being beneath City Hall. I would have liked to have seen them firmly establish you. Well, you go down this era, elevator or whatever. Yeah, see, I was never sure where that honeycomb thing was versus where the creepy place he liked to be with the idol was. Mm-hmm. Versus where uh, Rouvet was over in Evil Dome under the Gladesland. Yeah, his physical space was never clear. And he may have had a few different locations. But that one mm-hmm. really seems like it's going to be the the Arrow headquarters next time. Well, that's interesting. Because the one under the campaign headquarters, not so good a shape. Yeah, they do like to kind of trash their headquarters, don't they? And they like to have a different one each season, yeah. which is fine. So I expect that's something they'll touch on next season. They really need to touch on what's going on with Palmer Tech. Yes. But they could just completely ignore that, too. You know, the question is... What's Felicity going to be doing? And I would imagine kind of chief of staff for the mayor. Well, and going back to uh, daddy issues that we haven't touched on is Felicity's father. Yes. Noah Cutler, who uh, is the calculator, which in the comic has just, uh, he's a, I think a 60s era character, villain. I could be wrong on exactly when it was created. His costume was this purple and white thing. And on his his torso were calculator buttons. (laughs) You know, it, it looked like the most ridiculous thing because it was from that era of comics. Yeah. You know, ooh, he's really smart. He calculates things. <laughs> wow, he can do the square root because he's got that button. Maybe he had the button, maybe he didn't. I don't know. But they turn him into a super hacker. 
Yeah. And some of the family dynamic stuff they did was really fun with that. I loved the scene in, I guess, the second to last episode where Curtis calls Felicity back to the with loft. With the text. And she's like, "What? what's the emergency? He's like, the yelling, the screaming, the name calling, you poor thing. And the loft is silent at the moment, which yeah. is what really got me. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were some, some really fun moments with that. I don't know that we ever saw Noah and Quentin at the same time. And I say that not because I think they're the same person. They're clearly not. <laughs> I say that because the, the two love interests for Donna. Yeah. yeah, no, I think you're right. They kept that well separated. In addition to the fugitive and the former cop yeah. being kept separate. Uh, I definitely think it was intentional. Yeah. But I would expect to see Noah back at least once next season. Yeah. They did well with the character. But unlike Supergirl that ended on a, you know, we have to pick up right at that moment next time. Yeah. Uh, same with, with Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. And Flash, we've got to pick up on that storyline. Yes. Not necessarily that exact moment, but the the, the, the direct repercussions of that. Mm -hmm. Here, he's sworn in as mayor. Well, he's got his new job, whatever. It could be two minutes later. It could be five months later. Well, and the election is set for August. Mm -hmm. And the new season will start in more like September or October. So if they do real time, they could skip the election. Or they could choose to do TV time and come in during the campaigning anytime they want. I would almost start the next season with a replay of him getting sworn in, mm -hmm. followed by a comment of, and this time you were elected. Yes, yes, that'd be fine. Kind of a double as a previously on and mm -hmm. wait, but it's new. Yeah. So I'm curious where they go with that. And I like how they've got an open playing field, how they- Kind of tied everything off. Everything had some payoff. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not much in the way of dangling plot lines. Yeah. And nothing where I think, geez, they, they, they just didn't answer this or something. Yeah. Uh, or the, the last minute question that pops up kind of thing, which is very much what happened over on Supergirl. Um, well, but sticking with Supergirl for one moment, both the ending or near the ending of Supergirl and near the ending of this one drew strength from the population of the cities needing hope. There are definitely similar vibes in terms of the the inspire the hero inspiring the city and that really paying off for them, etc. I'm really looking forward to Supergirl and Arrow being on the same network next season. Yeah. Because that opens up some doors for crossovers. Yeah. And granted, it's a little harder with her being in this separate universe or whatever, but I want to see her the happy-go-lucky, you know, and him, the the bit more grumbly, dark, you know, yeah. serious type. Yeah. Um, because I think Felicity and Supergirl would work really well together. Yeah. And then Ollie would be, you know, and, and, and she'd be like, you have a bow and arrow, you know? Yes, yes. And he'd be like, but I'm really good with it. <laughs> yes, yes. It was, again, the whole Batman-Superman dichotomy kind of a there. Yeah. That could be a lot of fun. And I'm sure that with all four shows being on the same network, filming in the same city, that we're going to get something that crosses between all four of them. Yeah. And I would anticipate a JLA-JSA crossover, if they mm. can. That'd be nice. Wait. Because you've got so- They may not call it that. Yeah. Because you're going to- if, if, if they can really pull out all the stops 
and get all of the super heroic characters we've seen in Flash and Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl and then bring in JSA members and then mm-hmm. just put the Hawks over with the JSA, Mr. Terrific over there, uh, Jay Garrick, you know, mm-hmm. kind of take the other ones that aren't officially Justice Society members, but comic wise have been. Yeah. You know, and maybe bring a few from what's in the JSA that really should have been Justice Leaguers or something. I don't know. Um, but it just, each of the shows really has spun out, again, less so with Supergirl, of, of, of what's happened on Arrow. Mm, yeah. You know, and even Supergirl, it's the same uh, executive producer and stuff. Very similar uh, story dynamic. Well, all of the shows have had a very strong message of don't give up. Mm-hmm. Participate in your city, work to make your city better, believe in your city and the people who are working for it. Well, in each of the solo heroes, uh, uh, Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, have that one key person, Mm. uh, sometimes one, sometimes two, that is the one that gives them strength. Yes, definitely. Arrow, it's split between Diggle and Felicity. Flash, I would say, between... Uh, Joe and Iris, mm. and uh, Supergirl between uh, Alex and Jimmy. Mm. You know, and again, there's there's definite parallels you could draw. Okay, who's the the tech genius on each show? That kind of thing. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's a it's not formulaic, but there are certain story tropes that just work and that they make work very well. Yeah. So, I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing all of that play out a bit more. Um. Again, I think with the other three shows, they've got certain business they got to take care of first. Yes. But I'm hoping that kind of gives Arrow an opportunity to kind of come in as that elder statesman show and and do a few things in the first couple of episodes that either set things up or, or somehow quietly sets it apart from the others. Well, they've already got a bunch of cranes in the glades. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to rebuild and destroy the glades next season. Well, I think that... Uh, Quite possibly one of the early, the the, the, the season opener next time, at some point in it, is basically going to have Ollie in the mayor office overseeing this is how the city's getting rebuilt and all of this stuff. Um, again, the level of destruction that city's had. When they pointed out, yeah, we had three terrorist attacks. Yes. It's like, yeah, you know, it has been kind of a rough couple of years here. Yes, yes. But it's the same thing that, you know, comic book readers would say about Gotham City. Oh, I'm sure. Moviegoers about Metropolis, you know. I mean, the fact that a nuclear bomb actually went off in this world. and Yeah. It's like, yeah, th- th- it made the news. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did think they overplayed their hand just a little bit with the whole Rubicon stuff of every nuke in the world has gotten up. That was the other thing we didn't get good closure on. Sort of. Flip the horizon. Yeah. We never see anything. We don't see anything, but we're told that all of these missiles are now going to explode up. That's the plan. We're just told it worked out. Because we saw the one that was aiming for Ollie's taxi do a U-turn and go back up into the sky, and Lord only knows where that one went. But that was a different one than all the others. They then sent out the, Mm -hmm. here's the the little hack Mm -hmm. to go fix it. But the then line when, of sight uh, hack. The line of sight hack. But when they said they were going to flip the horizon and send them away, I would have liked to have seen just somebody looking up in the sky and seeing flashes of light. I mean, it didn't even need to be a huge effect. Yeah. It was a missed opportunity. 
but it also would have been expensive. So I get that. Yeah, that's true. But for a show featuring a guy who shoots arrows out of a bow, it's not like they're using up their effects having him run around town or fly or travel through time. For a show that does not have a single actual arrow on set during filming. That's what they've said in the past. I've got to imagine when they've spilled the arrows out on the ground, they've actually had a few. I think they never have arrows in the bow. Oh, okay. That's yeah. what I took it as. Okay. There is no way somebody could accidentally get shot. Yeah. It's just... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and certainly anytime we see an arrow fly, yeah, that's all digital stuff. Um, I'm trying to think what they did special effects-wise this season in this show that was... I mean, to me, really, the, the most impressive stuff was the hologram wall... Yeah. For uh for the underground city. Yeah. Um that's probably the most science fictiony thing we've seen in this show. Yeah. Cuz everything else is pretty grounded. Well, Damien Dark catching exploding arrows and That's magic though. That's not sci-fi. All right. I'll give you he's magic. I mean, you've got the super hacking. Yeah. But you don't have the the flame gun and cold gun like you have in Flash and Yeah. those kinds of of you know, techno babble gizmos. Now, this one goes more for the fight scenes. Yes. And they do a really good job with the fight scenes. They do. Um, I think the choreography, it's funny because they do a lot of really good choreography, good fight scenes, some good parkourish sort of things. That was one of the things where I think the fight near the end where they're in the underground city, just running across the, the front yards. Mm-hmm. In past seasons, they might have found a, a different setting for that and had them kind of bounce on the rooftops or something. Yeah. Don't really expect that in this kind of a setting. The fact that you pointed out a number of times, I can't believe they got the whole <laughs> area to go do this in. I was shocked. It was like an entire suburb just said, oh, yeah, you can just have the whole subdivision. We'd love you to come. Well, in the one scene where they get uh, they're in the house and the, the ghosts pop in and start shooting, you know, I was joking that, yeah, we're going to come here for a few days, shoot in your house. You know, as they're shooting all the lamps and the fixtures. And well, the worst thing you can hear during uh, someone filming a scene in a living room scene where somebody is just supposed to, you know, trip casually or walk and stuff is when someone comes out saying, and just how expensive was that glass table? Because that's when you know something that wasn't supposed to get broken did. Yeah. Because normally when they film scenes like um, Damien Dark comes into the loft mm -hmm. and he says, I know you don't technically live here anymore, but those seemed like nice windows. Okay. Well, they replace the panes of glass yeah. with easy to shatter glass because they plan for you to break them and they want it to be easy to do. So you've got the work of replacing them, breaking them, and the work of replacing them because you broke them. Yes. But, you know, if you go through the wrong window. Yeah. That's a very expensive window to replace. Do they leave the easy to break one there? <laughs> Just saying. But what got me with the one fight scene in the house where all the guns are going off is there's there's lamps getting shot, you know, left, right, and center. But then at one point, almost inexplicably, there are all these feathers filling the entire place, the entire living room. Yes, you asked me how many feather pillows I thought they owned. Because, I mean, you've got, ah, uh, sure, one or two in the end of a couch or whatever. Whether they're feather or not, I would question in most houses. But enough that suddenly that they've exploded and you've got feathers floating in literally it, it, I don't even know how many kind of cubic feet or whatever. 
Yes. It was very cinematic, very, very impressive, mm-hmm. but a little silly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm willing to let him go on that because some of the, the fight scenes they do, the choreography, the, uh, the, the number of stunt doubles they've got to have. It's, it's impressive stuff. It's amazing stuff. And I'll, I'll concede, I'm pretty sure that for ease of, we'll call it stunt doubling, that's why the ghosts all wore ski masks and goggles. Oh, absolutely. And I'm okay with that because the ghosts did some good fighting. It's funny because in this show, it's very much the hand-to-hand combat. Yes. Even though you've got people with ranged weapons. Flash, you get some of that, but you also get some of the, let's slow it down as he's running up the the falling debris or whatever, and the more video gamey stuff. And I loved the running from piece of falling debris to piece of falling debris. That was awesome. In Supergirl, we get a little of both. Yeah. They had some good fight choreography there, but they also had, obviously, oh, they're flying, they're doing this stuff, it's it's special effects. In Legends of Tomorrow, it was a little bit more of kind of the, the hand-to-hand stuff, and some of the video gamey stuff with Firestorm and the Hawks and whatnot. But I really think the show that's got the best fight choreography is, is Arrow. Yeah. You know, that's where I think it made uh, a lot of its initial impression, both with uh, doing kind of the parkour moves, which I feel they've toned down a little. I was just thinking that, too. Really, the, the running through the subdivision had more of it than we'd seen in a few episodes, it felt like. Yeah, and there's probably more of it than I was giving credit for, because there are a few times where he uh, Ollie runs... Kind of jumps, pivots, shoots, and then tumbles and keeps going. Yeah, but part of it is that in the earlier seasons, there would be that go from one roof of a high-rise to another roof. And by high-rise, I probably only mean like three or four stories. But it felt so dramatic as he went over the alley. Well, and there were a couple where he would jump from one thing to a smaller thing to a smaller and get down or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, almost the Jackie Chanish kind of movement there. Yeah. And I think part of it is that takes some work to do just to set up the shoot, uh, to have the right location, and getting either having the right stunt double or uh, getting a Mel to do it, although I'm sure he'd be willing, but he's also getting a little older. I think part of it is the villain you're up against. Yeah, when you've got somebody, because what was happening in the fight scene with Dark at the end there is... Ollie was literally getting just thrown from one side of the street to the other. Yeah. No real need for parkour there. Yeah. Although that would have been really funny if he was getting almost slammed against the side of a bus and he kind of jumps and bounces off it or something. Yeah. But But that wouldn't have worked. In that scene, I loved the citizens of the city, including one he'd rescued earlier in the episode, coming to his defense. That's something of a, a bit of a trope in superhero stuff. We've gotten it a few times in, like, the Spider-Man films. It works. It was well done. Mm-hmm. There was the point where Damien has, oh, but I've got friends too, and suddenly all the ghosts <laughs> appear. Yes. And then they all charge, the, the, the crowd charges forward. Yeah. It's like, didn't we get this at the end of, like, last season or the season before? Yeah, with the Mirakuru people. I mean, they do some pretty big crowd scenes in this show. They do. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... It's probably not that hard. Hey, we're filming Arrow. We're going to be doing this. We need a crowd. Hey, come. Yeah. People show. Yeah. And I'm sure they have a good time. Oh, I bet. Um, I, again, I thought they did a really good job on this season. It started in a different space uh, than previous seasons. It ended in a very different place than other seasons. 
and they had a very good trajectory getting him from point A to point B. I loved the campaign for mayor mm-hmm. for Ollie. I thought that was great development for him as a character. This was probably the best season for Oliver. Yes. I mean, Arrow's had some good seasons in terms yeah. of that character. Yeah. But the Oliver Queen persona, it showed just so much growth. And what, what gets me is during the campaign for mayor, they never once drag out the footage from the first season where he pretends to be drunk at yeah. the 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 building opening or groundbreaking yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, I hope that sort of a thing pops up next season just for fun. Yeah. No, the campaign was fun. Um, Theo's relationship with the campaign manager. Mm-hmm. That was fun in a variety of ways. Not the least of which was her experiencing several of the things that Ollie has experienced over the previous seasons. Yeah. You know, do I tell him the truth? Do I not tell him the truth? You know, who do you tell what in several varieties? Well, and just seeing her move on after uh, Roy. Yes. And Roy was one that came back for a little bit, went away again. I mean. Yeah. uh, It does make me wonder if the thing to do, if Thea were to be in the next season, would be for her to, to have settled down, gotten a boyfriend, living the normal life. Only to find out the boyfriend is the new vigilante or vigilante or whatever in town. I think she goes somewhere. She settles down and she finds out that the guy she's with is someone Malcolm put there. No, they've kind of already done that, I think. And I think that's why she'd feel totally betrayed and go back to Ollie. Malcolm would think he's got her and that would spin her in the opposite direction. I don't know if they need to bring her back next season, and I've, if they do, I'd like to see them do something other than just the love interest storyline. Agreed. And that's why I was saying I love it when she's doing things like running the nightclub, running the mayoral campaign yeah. for him. It's much better than when we first met her. Well, and that's the other thing if they bring her back. She may be kind of the deputy mayor or whatever, uh, the other kind of filling out Ollie's staff and, and somebody he can trust. Yeah. Um, it it's going to be interesting to see how they try to balance him as mayor and him as Green Arrow. Yeah. But, I mean, they've done it in the comics a few times, so it can work. And what gets me is how much of the show they're pulling from the comics, how much they're doing that's new, but how over the course of, of four seasons now, they've had the same character, had more stuff to tell with it, not felt the need to, oh, well, geez. We got to reboot, we got to retool, we got to throw away the origin, we got to retell it. Yeah. I mean, figure figure 20 episodes a season, it's usually a little bit more. Mm-hmm. We've done at least 80 episodes of this Green Arrow. Yeah. Okay. Most comic books don't last 80 issues. Yeah. With an issue, I'm going to say being the rough equivalent, uh, story content-wise, between the commercial breaks part of a you know, an act of a, a, an episode. Hmm. Uh, five acts plus a teaser gives you an episode. Eh, six comics give you an arc. Whether it's exactly one-to-one in terms of amount of story content, eh, depends on the writing of each. Yeah. Um, but they would have told now, in theory, you know, 80 individual stories, four major arcs, at least. Um, whereas during the same time, the Green Arrow comic book has had at least three or four different creative teams... And at least three or four very different directions it went in. Would you say four arcs or eight arcs? Uh, to me, it was less 
arcs because there was some meandering. I'm just wondering if you're giving credit for the island scenes. Oh, for the show. Yes. Uh, I was not. Okay. I would say that's a complete another arc entirely. Um, whether it's one or four, you know, it doesn't matter. My but, point was yeah. more, they've told more just on the island. Yeah, see. Than I would argue has probably been told in the Green Arrow comic over the corresponding amount of time. Yeah. It just, it boggles my mind what they've done, what they've done well. I think next season, my expectation is that the flashback scenes will be in Russia for at least a period of time, if Agreed. not the full season. We need to become a lieutenant or whatever in the Bratva. My question really is, if we go to a sixth season, what will the flashbacks be? Question about the fifth season flashbacks. Yes. He's mayor, present day. Yes. Bureaucracy, understanding how the, the organization works. Which corresponds nicely when you think about it to a mobster slash mob mafia. You're in there. You've got to understand how the organization yeah. works. And you're the new guy in the environment in both situations. There's an established status quo you've been invited into. Yeah. There's some definite parallels there that could be done. Yeah. And I'd be surprised if they don't pick up on that. They seem very sharp on that. Yeah. On a sixth season... Would you continue with Ollie flashbacks? And I say that with the caveat of knowing Stephen Amell is, he said in interviews, he's gotten a little tired of doing all the flashbacks. And he thinks it would be interesting to give other characters more flashbacks. And he was the one who was encouraging, like the Dickel brothers, yeah. flashback and stuff. So would it be interesting to give one season of flashbacks in an arc to another character? It depends who they have, who else they have that season. Because I think it would be good to get some other flashbacks of other characters. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I feel the need to have a season's worth or even half a season's worth of, say, Felicity. Yeah, see, and that's what I'm afraid of, even though I adore the Felicity character. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if they should continue the, the flashback or the that n nature of subplot the mm -hmm. cut to another time frame yeah because you could argue hey cut to the f a different you know i don't say into the future or whatever what but about earth two or earth three or whatever if you set up early in the uh, in the, the opening of the season a villain that is kind of that evil counterpart okay mm -hmm. in other words you've got the dark green arrow if you will mm -hmm. from the the evil earth uh mm-hmm and that that's what the face-off is going to be. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like how um, Slade was of just behind the scenes for a while. Mm -hmm. Set him up mysteriously at the end of the first episode. Reveal it's it, that's that's Oliver. Wait, that's Oliver. How mm -hmm. is this? Mm -hmm. And then have the subplot plot be that guy's backstory, what's going on, mm -hmm. and just how he's doing the chess pieces behind the scenes, maybe. You could make that work, but... And what would be funny is if you did that... What I would have be that arc for the flashbacks mm -hmm. is that character's version of the last five years. Yes. That would be fascinating. Imagine having a flashback to the Glades and the Undertaking, but it was that Oliver who was undertaking it. Yes. Yeah. You could bring Tommy back. You could bring Laurel. But you could bring a lot of mm. characters back. Yeah. And just see things turn out very differently while reminding us of, wait, that's not how it happened. Yeah. Yeah. It would be a very interesting uh, flip on the, the format. Yeah. It would be tough to pull off. But I think these writers have proven they're capable of quite a few tough things. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And it plays into the uh, nature of the multiverse they've set up over in Flash uh, a little bit. I don't say the time travel stuff they've gotten in uh, 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 Legends of Tomorrow, but also the the other Earth of, of you know, Supergirl and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's something that could build towards a crisis on Infinite Earths if that's the way they want to go. Interesting. And they've already kind of teased that in the Flash from first season. Yeah. So that is the best idea I've got so far for sixth season flashbacks. Yeah, interesting. Because I like the idea of flashing back into the previous five years. Yeah, yeah. And bringing it to where two or three episodes before the end of the season, you've gotten to the beginning of the season. Well, what do you've got for the next three? Oh, it's what he's been doing this season. Yeah. You know, it, it could really work as a memory jog or, or just a counterpoint. Yeah. Um. We'll see what they do. I'm curious. Uh, I have no doubt they can get a sixth season. It's a fantastic show with a wonderful cast. I really think the the way it will end is either it hits like season 10 or something, or Stephen Amell says, hey, I've had enough. My and knees are giving out. <laughs> yeah, that sort of a thing. If you know, I'm too old for this. I, well, but, I'm but even that, traditionally in the comics, less so with the new 52, Ollie is an older guy. Well, I'm sorry, but we watched John Diggle leap from a second floor yes internal balcony if you will in a house down to the first floor and i'm internally chanting land on the couch land on the couch i was surprised that's the first time i think we've seen him do that kind of a 10 foot drop i was like ollie all the time dang your knees buddy yeah but in the comics uh green arrow has typically been kind of that older guy oh more of almost quentin's age than than ollie's i don't know how they do it um so my point is they could they could make the character work less parkour, more archery. At an, they could go for fifteen years if they really had the stories and wanted to. Mm-hmm. It's not like the character has to age out. Yeah, no, I agree. Although I think um, the Diggles need to get cracking on making a second kid. Yeah, what I would like to see them do is a season or two before they think it's going to end. Mm-hmm. Really start aggressively planting the seeds more so than they already have of other characters in other words almost do not a full season but a a, a number of backdoor pilots ah uh, yeah because um if they had done this constantine prior to the show it's like oh, i'll watch the show of course it was on nbc versus mm, cw yeah. um i, I want to see them and this is just me being greedy we have seen more live action versions of DC superhero characters this season mm-hmm. than probably every other season put together. Yeah. Okay. Well, and not just that we've seen them, we've seen them done well. Yes. Yes. I mean, Anarchy was a little bit of a different take than in the comics, but hey, it still counts. You know, Vixen, first time we've seen her live action. Go over to Supergirl, you got Martian Manhunter and Red Tornado. Technically, Martian Manhunter had been done before in the not-aired Justice League pilot, but still. And I'm not saying they had to be unique this season, but the number we have seen this season, mm-hmm. you know, uh, even with Smallville and some of the other shows that have done JSA and some other characters, it's just uh, they've they've covered so much ground here. But there's so many other characters they could introduce. Mm-hmm. And if it gets to the point where this show is ramping down, ramp up some other ones. Yeah. Like they've done with Flash, Legends Tomorrow, Supergirl. There's no reason... They can't rotate through properties, and as long as they keep the quality up, have the DC TV universe be an ongoing concern for the foreseeable future. 
I agree. You know, much like what Marvel's done on on the movies. Yeah. So this uh, this started the whole ball rolling. I think this show owes a huge, huge debt of gratitude to Smallville. Yes. That proved the Green Arrow character was actually interesting and viable. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've really taken it in a new direction, run with it, and done some great stuff. Yeah. So anything else? Did I pretty much do it? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.